Welcome to Cat Chat. Cashroom, Kansas City, Missouri. I haven't been outside. I see the sun, but I think it's deceitful. It's probably still cold outside. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide out inside as long as I can because it was seven degrees this morning and uh, no fun there. But uh, so we're coming back again, Podcast Road. We're joined by Dr. Tiffany Jones from the X Factor Performance Consulting, um, talking about the bench mentality and leaders and, and leadership kind of continue with that trend. And um, so we're going to we're going to have some fun here talking with, with, with Dr. Tiffany is what she likes to be called because she's, she's smart and, and uh, <laughs> guys have got some cool things happen here. But uh, so we're going to we're going to dive right into it. This is Cap. You're listening to Cap Chat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. This is Cap Chat. All right, all right. So, Doctor Doctor Tiffany, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, what have you presented on so far here as a presenter? Uh, I presented uh, yesterday on Thursday on uh, helping coaches manage the stress and anxiety that their players are experiencing. Oh. And then today was basically how to incorporate mental skills into training or practices. Interesting. Okay. Um, so let's talk, and I got some on that, but so the X Factor Performance Consulting, I want to make sure we, we get that in there. So um, what what is that? And that's, that's, your, that's your company. Yeah, so uh, I'm a certified mental performance consultant. I work with all sports, all levels across the country, um, internationally, and it's all diving into the mental side of the game. So anything, but really diving into the hows, you know, we tell Athletes all the time have confidence, have focus, yeah. but then we never dive into the how do you have focus, how do you develop confidence, all of that kind of stuff. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Now, are you are you finding – so you talk about the stress and anxiety, and, and, and I don't know. I've been in the women's game for 20, 20 plus years, so that's the, the what I know. And I see a lot of young women coming up through the college, and they have a lot of anxiety, they have a lot of stress, and they have a lot of l- lack of confidence. Um, and so – do you see a lot of this mentality more on on the female side because they've had bad coaches or something in life? Do you see that more than the men's or is it kind of? It's, it's everyone. It's, it's humans. It's not even just sports. I mean, in the Western side of the world, most of us are walking around in a high state of uh, fight, flight, freeze. Um, <laughs> it's a stress. I'm overwhelmed. I'm freaking out. I'm in my head. I mean, how many people walk into a room and they're like, how are you? I'm freaking out. Yeah. I'm in my head. So it's not just a sport. Sports a microcosm of the macrocosm. And so that's, you know, but yes, and there's reasons for that. And that's what I've been really spending the last, like, maybe four or five months is is explaining the science behind it so that people, these young women, young men, don't feel nuts. Like, it's the stuff we should be teaching them when they're 10 years old that we're not teaching them. Yeah, and, and, I, and I feel the, the mental health aspect is, is getting a... Uh, 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 there's a lot of positive talk about mental health right now and a lot of people saying, Hey, it's okay. I've had, to, I've struggled with this. And, and, and so I don't know if you're seeing that trend, like it's more acceptable to say, yeah, I, I am. I, I am full of anxiety. Yeah. And I guess it's also defining the difference between mental health and mental illness. You can have someone with a mental illness that mm-hmm. diagnosed mental illness. That's super mentally healthy. And then you have someone who doesn't have a mental illness. That's really struggling with mental health because mental yeah. health is physical. Yeah. Yeah. I, so you, you, when you talked about the stress and anxiety and how to manage that, um, you know, obviously we don't want to redo your class, but I, like, does that, so you're teaching coaches how to manage that with, with, with their players, correct? Yeah. And how much of that uh, as a coach, um, 
are we we're, are we putting a lot of pressure on them at practice or just all around there's we're trying to alleviate that stress for them yeah so i think a lot of it starts with expectations and getting away from expectations and so it's external and that's where we as a coach can put external expectations on our athletes and then it's the internal expectations which is harder to manage but the coaches can create an environment where we get rid of expectations and have standards mm -hmm. because expectations are in the future they're results driven they're out it's out of our control and if you ask an athlete, ask any of them, why was playing soccer so much fun when you were six? They're going to start to say, well, I was playing my friends. And mm -hmm. right away yeah. after that, there was no pressure. And I'll say, what creates the pressure? And they're like the expectations. So expectations create the what ifs. What if I'm not good? What if I make a mistake? What if I don't get recruited? What if I'm not good enough, right? And the overarching emotion that we start to feel when we say what ifs is fear. So how are we going to love this game, have joy in this game that we all loved when we were six Yeah, with all these expectations? Interesting. So, so to, to devil's advocate there is, yep. and, 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 I, and maybe I'm looking at this wrong or saying it wrong, but for me, I've always been, you know, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I've been big on expectations because if you don't know what to, if you don't know what to expect from me, it's not fair for me to expect it. So I look at like, okay, you know, you guys need to be, you know, we start practice at eight, but you need to warm up before. And that's an expectation for me. And, and maybe I'm looking at that wrong. Um, so I, I still change the language. Language to me matters. Okay. Yeah. And so saying standards, because standards are hundred percent in your control. Got it. So anything. Yes. So what would you have to do to show up early to get warmed up, to be ready? And so we, and that, what, what that gets it back to is more process. So yes. I want you there at eight. What do you need to do to get there by eight? What are the things that you need to be able to control to get yourself prepared for the start of practice? Expectations is like this very daunting, hard, like, oh gosh, I'm going to disappoint the coach. All of a sudden the fear starts to come in. Like, what if they don't show up on time, right? They didn't meet the standard and we can correct the process so that they can meet the standard next time. But expectations holds a lot of strength and um, all the negative kind of repercussions yeah. that starts to come in. So we that's so we should say that the, the standard of this team yep. is that we start at eight o'clock. Um, and if you guys want to get here at six o'clock, great. Mm -hmm. But if you if you need to listen to music beforehand, that's your process. Yes. Okay. Yep. Interesting. It's a really big shift. And goals are great. I don't yeah. really dive into goals, but goals are different than expectations because goals are like, that's what coaches will say. Well, wh what are we supposed to just not have accountability? I yeah. was like, no, 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 no. We have goals are slideable though. Goals are based on where I'm at today, right now, what can and what will I do to inch my way towards the, yes, maybe you want to win a club championship sure. or win a national championship. That's out there. That's fine. But we got to then back it up to what can I do and what will I do right now to take one shuffle step closer to reaching my goals. Sometimes we make giant leaps. Sometimes it's a shuffle step, but we want to be moving. But you know, the goals slide. What if you're coming back from an injury? We may yeah. have to change. For sure. Right. Goal. Right. And so goals are movable, right? Expectations are fixed in the future. And it's basically like, if we have control over everything, this is what I expect to get. That's interesting. And, and my wife would probably be mad if I, because I'm, I'm bringing her into this, uh, <laughs> but you know, we, me and her in actual conversations that we've had with her today is, is um, the expectations that she feels. Um, and so what you're saying, I think is, is brilliant because it's, you know, she talked, She's, she's talking about the expectation that she feels, you know, being a mom and being a kid yeah. too. And then my mom recently passed away. So that expectation and what, you know, 
she feels that the expectation goes up for me. I'm like, wow, all this. And, and, and see how heavy that is. Yeah, yeah. See the, the change in shift. For sure, yeah. And why we care about that or we should care about that. Well, one, humans, sure. But in terms of performance, when fear comes, what happens? We tense up. Right. That impacts our ability to move on right. the field biomechanically. Mm -hmm. So now like, yeah, I can send you a pass. But now that I'm tense because of the thinking of the expectations, yeah. I'm tense. I can't move as well. And it impacts our way to think on the yeah, and and I've been a fan of, and I love the way you're saying it different. But I've been always said like, I've never, I believe at least, and and, and never criticize if you miss a pass. Mm -hmm. Don't care. You're gonna miss. I mean, especially in this game, you're gonna miss a thousand passes. Yeah. Um, and and I've never, and but I see so many players that are are have this fear. They make a bad pass, and they look at mom yeah. or dad or the coach. And I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. And, and I don't care. I, I care what you did afterwards. Yes. You're going to make a thousand. Otherwise, the score would be 18 to nothing. So it, um, it's really interesting bringing that. But I, I try to reframe like the mistake piece. It's a puzzle piece. We need to get the puzzle pieces from the mistakes. It's about how quickly do you learn and adapt. But we also need to get the puzzle pieces from the good. If you ask a player, why did you play well today? They're like, I don't know. I was on cloud nine. I was yeah. feeling it. I'm like, well, how are you replicating cloud nine or, or feeling it? There are things that you were doing in your control that allowed you to feel it. Yeah. Be on cloud nine. What are those things? And Carly Lloyd was the first one like 10 years ago yeah. standing with her at um, Sky Blue practice. And I said, Carly, like a big thing, especially with youth athletes, is how do you recover from a mistake? And she goes, I don't care if I make a mistake. I better be making mistakes. If I'm not making mistakes, then I'm not playing on the edge of my ability. And the only way I'm going to be the best player in the world is if I'm constantly playing on the edge of my ability. And with that, I'm going to make mistakes. But So how do you think, though? So that's like that's, that's, that's an easy thing to say you should do this because mm -hmm. Carly Lloyd does it and to feel it. How do you, how do you teach young athletes to get that mindset? It's got to start with the coaches. Got it. Okay. It really that's where the coaches are creating environments. They say it's okay to make mistakes that it's learning, and yet when they make a mistake mm -hmm. in a part of a game or practice, that disrupts it, and the coaches' body language shifts or what they say shifts, or and so now we're mixing the message, and so it really has to start from parents and coaches, honestly, yeah. who are like freaking. Yes, I'm so glad you made all those mistakes today. What did you learn from them? That means you were playing on the edge of your ability, but your response to the mistake was awesome. You yeah. From that you adapted. You maybe made another mistake back to back, but it was a different mistake because you learned from the first. You were trying to recalibrate, right? Yeah. And so that's what I love. I celebrate the mistakes if I see sure. the response yeah. is good. But I, and I don't see that necessarily. There's a ton of mixed messages when I'm around coaches in all my different sports. And I said, do you understand you're sending a mixed message? The, the, the nonverbal thing is you're right. Yeah. Because I know for me, I'm trying to retrain um, I, my nonverbal. I have caught myself. Someone makes a mistake. And, and I, I'm, yes. hey, hey, it's okay, Susie. Yeah. No, you're cool. Don't worry about it. But my first instinct was, oh, she. Yeah. But then I catch myself. Okay, hey, you're good again. But yeah. the, the nonverbal part is something I... I I, I, I think I need to process that better. Yeah. And even the, it, it's, it, that's okay. You'll get the next one. Yeah. That's to me just, it's not, it's kind of lazy because as a player, I'm like, well, great. How am I going to get the next one? Right. So even it's uh Hey, Susie, stay on your feet, right? Keep light on your feet, mm -hmm. get your head up, eyes up, giving a, a correction that's in their control. And then when you see them do that correction, you're like, Susie, yes, yes. Way to stay on your feet. Yeah. So, because then they start to feel better, and if they start to feel better, they start to play better, yeah. play better, feel better, and now they exactly, yeah. So what it is is giving a very specific correction that you can see and measure behaviorally, and then rewarding when they do that. Not the execution, not the result, right. but the fact that she made a correction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
I like the idea. You talk about parent education. That's such a huge thing, um, a miss. And, and I think the, I, I, I expect the standard yeah. is if we don't teach parents, how can we expect, you know, how, how can we help them get better? Yeah. And we see these parents and I don't, I, I don't think any parent goes to a game going, I'm going to mentally mess my kid up today. Oh, gosh, yeah. and, and they want to get better for the most part. And, and do you know Ava Mapes? I love to watch you play. No, I didn't. Okay. She, she's a fantastic. And, and her, she wrote a book. It was like, I love to watch you play. Yeah. And that's what you should tell you, you know, after the game, uh-huh. it's, I love to watch you play. Yeah. Like, I love watching you play today. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you should have done this, 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 and this. Because, yes. you know, my son's nine. If in the game, if it's 18, nothing, he, he's asking, can I get some ice cream? And it's just, hey, I love to watch you play. And I've been really encouraging our our parents, um, you know, when we do these showcases and, and we do showcases where they come in from all over I mean, and the first time them playing together. And the whole weekend is for is for them to say, hey, you guys decide what you want to do. You pick your formation. You pick your starting lineup. You you get that confidence. And then I tell the parents, this is what we're going to do. I go, don't coach from the sideline. I go, I'm not coaching. I'm just watching. So they're here to get recognized by college coaches. I said, but I challenge you this weekend to find the positive and wait for the play to be over. Mm-hmm. And now you say, hey, Susie, that was a great shot. And she hears it. And now and I said, watch how they play because you found something positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've noticed a shift in that. And, a, and a, something I recommend to coaches is like you're working on things during the week, right, mm-hmm. to prep for the game. Send an email out to the parents and say, yes. this is what we are working on. This is how I'm gauging if we're mm-hmm. getting better. I'm not looking at the score. I'm not looking. I'm. Let's look. Hey, we weren't working on offensive third. Right. So let's not grade our performance on our offensive third. For sure. Look at our defense and how yes. we got better from last week's yeah. defense. Yeah. Because so parents, they don't grasp because you don't tell them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we'll kick it. Well, wait a second. Today we're going to build out of the back. <laughs> yeah. And so we may not score a lot. Yeah. And I think you're right. And again, I go back to that. But you have to set the standard for the parent. I got to change the way I yeah. say that. You have yeah. to set the standard for the parents mm-hmm. so they understand. Yes. And I think, yeah, I think parents do do want to get better. Yes, they do. And they don't know what they don't know. Right. right? It's just like coaches. A lot of coaches don't have training. I, I constantly tell my college athletes now, I'm like, I'm not excusing your coach's behavior, but let me explain it. You're asking them to do things that they have not been trained to do. Mm-hmm. And so show them some grace and look at it as human. I'm not asking you to solve calculus problems when you're playing soccer. <laughs> but you're virtually asking your coach to solve calculus problems yes. as they're trying to also coach you. Yeah. And so let's show some grace in there. And you'd be surprised how many college athletes are like, wait, coach hasn't been trained in that? I'm like, no, they didn't go to school for psych, adolescent development, exercise science, biomechanics, all of these things that you want them to have this grasp on. And so, yeah, give them a little grace. Same with parents. They don't have training on how to be a coach, uh, a parent of an athlete, how to best support coaches unless we train them. And a lot of of parents do want to do right. Mm -hmm. They just don't know what they don't know. And so they parent the way they were parented or they parent the way they think all the other parents are parenting. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah. You're right. Yeah, they do. Um, and you know, Russia has eleven core values, and one of our core values is safety. Mm-hmm. And people always say, "Well, don't let the goalposts fall on you." Yeah. Okay, no, no. Safety is can we create a safe environment? Psychological. Yes, yes. And, and I always tell anytime. And when I when I, when I coach coming to new team, my guys listen. I've been married for fourteen years. I'm still trying to figure my wife out. Yes. I go. Here's a new team of, of 15, 16 year old girls. I go, I'm not going to figure it out right away. Yeah. I said, so I want you to be able to say, hey, ask questions. Hey, coach, this would help me more. I said, because if you don't say anything, sometimes I don't know. Um, 
you know, so, and, and I really try to encourage that and, and try to get something out of them because I want to do better. Um, right. and I want to help them because I know, unfortunately, a lot of athletes, the best positive role model, it's going to be their coach. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, and we dive in like coach education, things like that, but there's. Yeah. Another thing is, is I, to define mental toughness, it's really self-awareness with the athlete first. It's yeah. really helping them develop more self-awareness and then learning how to be brave enough to be vulnerable with themselves and then be brave enough to be vulnerable with the coach or with people that can help them Yeah. without the awareness from the athlete themselves. We're just throwing darts in a dark room. We don't know where the dartboard is. And then we flip the lights on and the dartboards on the ceiling. So we were never going to hit the dartboard by, by asking the athletes, what are you thinking and feeling and yeah. giving a space where they really can tell you what they're thinking and feeling that unlocks us. That unlocks everything for us yeah. as a coach, because we can get to the why they know they're not supposed to be thinking, gosh, I suck. I can't do this. Right. They know that, but creating a space where they can admit it and say it out loud. Then we can say, why do you think you suck? Where is that coming from? Mm -hmm. Now you're really, and that also builds the relationship with you and that player because you're giving them a psychologically safe atmosphere to talk through this stuff and not be shamed by it, not be fearful of right. it. And also say, hey, you're human. What's yeah. making you a little less human is you're being aware and brave enough to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that separates so many athletes from other athletes. Do, do, do you think boys or young men have a harder time with that than, than young women of, of being vulnerable? Cause the guys are going to say, Oh, well, you know, you pansy or that yeah. old, that mentality of, of starts with the coach. Yeah. The yeah. Coach yeah. There you go. That, demonstrate it. My male teams, my male athletes are wonderful at it. And they're so relieved that they have a space to talk about it. But, and if they're in with a coach who's more of what we would say, old school, mm -hmm. you better suck it up. You better have no feelings. You better yeah. do all this. Yeah. Well, boys then, don't cry. Yeah. yeah they're going to, and I'm in a great space where I don't work with coaches like that because if I don't have a coach who's willing to adapt and mm -hmm. to learn, I can't really help the guys. And so it's not that I don't want to help the guys, but I'm going to do them a disservice because I'm going to say, open up. The coach is then going to be like, you're benched. I, you just told me you're scared. Of <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that guy's never going to open up again in his life. Exactly. Well, I just got benched for being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's why it's not that I don't want to work with them, but if I don't have a coach who's willing to dive into some of this work, then it's, it's not going to, it's actually going to do a disservice. Yeah. Now you're trying to start when you work with the coaches and you work with it. Are you trying to start like how young of an age? I mean, I guess probably from five years. I mean, how young of an age of uh, these coaches? I mean, of, of building this culture with the teams. I mean, starting at a young age to get them feeling in a safe space. Yeah, because by the time I have them, even in the mid-teens or especially my college student athletes, they have so many bad habits and so many guards up, right? Mm -hmm. And that's all sports. Um, I, had, I was just working with a hockey team the other night, and they're like. Uh, you know, we heard fitness. We know we're supposed to be fit and we shouldn't be, but since a young age, fitness was always punishment. Yes. Yeah. If we made a mistake. We're going to get mm -hmm. on the line and skate. And so we hear we're doing fitness and right away we have a physiological response. Yeah. So, um, it can happen and not happen because of their experience through youth hockey and what that was and look at, and now I have them and now I have to help them reprogram. Like when they feel it in their body, what can they do? Right. You know, we switched to, because we used to the beep test. Yeah. And we stopped telling them because they, they expressed they wouldn't sleep because they know the beep test the next day. Mm -hmm. and, and now, whether you like the beep test or not, it's some sort of measurable fitness. Yeah. So, but, uh, and mental. It's it, more mental. And so, yeah, we stopped telling them. Yeah. And we, we saw their scores drastically increase because they'd show up to training mm -hmm. and they have less time to be anxious, less time to panic about it. And we pulled the speaker out and say, beep test time. And, like, and they just got to go. 
Um, and, and we I, saw their better, t- they saw the scores getting better. And so then I would push is now we have to get back to telling them because we've got to give them the skills on how to do mm. that. It's like knowing a game is coming the next day. Yeah. Like you can't be like, oh, surprise, we have a game today. Nah, that's true. So again, I'm always like, if it's going to work in a game, it can work in every facet. But if it's not going to, I'm doing you a disservice. I like that because what it shows them is that they are fit, that they can run the you test, that it is a mental thing. Yeah. So now it's now telling them the why I am going to tell you when the beat test is because I want to help give you the skills to manage that anxiety before because you're going to know when a game's coming and you're going to have to be able to sleep the night before a game. Yeah, that's true. That's a valid point. Let's do it. We're doing it all wrong. I thought I was thinking outside the no, box. No. You, no, you did. And you did the first step. I would have recommended yeah. that. Show them that they actually are fit and that they can do a beep test. Yeah. And that really the only differences are their thoughts about the beep test. And then you, that's where you can really dive in and start to, in the moment, like give them the skills of yeah. like, how to go to sleep, how to get rid of the anxiety, noticing the thoughts or creating the anxiety huh. and, and giving them the tools to be able to manage that. Then you're going next level and you tell them I'm doing this because do you know when a game's coming? Yeah. For you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like I can't, now we got to help train those skills because yeah. when they go to college or whatever, yeah, they're going to have to be able to sleep the night before. For sure. And I have to imagine, cause I mean, you work with all ages yeah. and, and I know there's anxiety, everyone, not, not, not any anxiety is better than anything else, but I have to imagine the collegiate freshman anxiety has to be through the roof because they're away from home. Now you're getting paid to play. I, I have to imagine that level of anxiety is so different than anything else. I, mean, I remember my freshman anxiety to this day. Yeah. Um, and it goes back and forth. Sometimes as a sophomores, I think, that have more anxiety because what happens is as freshmen, no offense, they're young and dumb. They don't know what's coming. <laughs> they just ride the wave. All of a sudden, though, they set what they in their heads an expectation. expectation. So now why is there a sophomore slump? Not because of any other reason other than they start comparing, this is what I did last year. I expect to have more goals this year. I expect yeah. to have more minutes this year. And that's what kills them their sophomore year. Um, so sometimes, yes, the, the first years come in and there's more of that. And then sometimes they're just riding the wave. They don't know what to know or, or there is no expectation. Yeah. So they're living the life because they're like, Jeez. I'm a freshman. It doesn't matter yeah. what I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So one of the things that, that you that – it was shown to me. We talked about it briefly. Is the the, the bench, the bench mentality, um, and that you can talk about that because I think you, you filmed people on a bench for a while. Is that right? You talk about that because that's fascinating. That's that's a fascinating topic for me. Yeah, I mean, I think for the bench, it's like a lot of times they check out, right? They'll check out, or they're they're being cheerleaders or whatever it is. And I call it like I have different mentality zones, and that when they're checked out, that's green zone. They're checked out. They're like lackadaisical, apathetic. They might be cheering, but it's more of that like cheerleader. Here we go, ladies. Yeah. Here we go. Or the person next to you claps like, "Oh, should we be clapping?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's happening? Yeah, yeah. Did we score? Yeah. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to tell them is the best players on the planet are locked in in their blue zone, where they're controlling the controllables, present focus. They are literally talking on the sidelines to each other about what is going out Mm. on. It's almost like a commentator kind of thing. I don't. I'd rather them. We think energy is loud. So we like some coaches love loud benches. I'm like, yeah, but their energy is going to that. And if they're not someone who is like a natural, like I just love to cheer my teammates on, then their capacity and energy level is going to here where I need their capacity to be ready to go into a game. And so I'd rather their energy be like talking about the game with each other and going, what are the changes we can do if we go out into the field? What is feedback we can give our teammates at halftime? Like what is going on tactically? And that's such a sophistication. I know Anson sometimes, especially when like Heather O'Reilly and Tobin Heath and they were in and out of the national team, they sometimes wouldn't start in the first half 
And they actually loved it because they were in blue zone watching and they mm-hmm. would go out and have all this tactical uh, advantage. They were already the two best players in the country. And now you're giving them a 20 minute tactical advantage. Yeah, head start to see how do I mark yes. this player? How do I beat this yes, player? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's teaching athletes like how to be, but not just be cheerleaders and be not, not locked in right now yeah. present and their minds wandering or they're going down the rabbit hole. Of, Why am I not starting? When am I going to get in the game? This sucks. What are people thinking of me? Yeah. The college coach is here to watch me and I'm not in the game. Right. Well, what do you think that that's all building up? And then, then when they do go in, they're all super tense. Mm-hmm. Right. And they missed out on all the tactical knowledge that they could have had. So what are the things that you, that you're asking coaches? How do you, how do you keep, especially if you, I mean, if you, there's only two coaches, yep. let's say, so how do you, what are you telling coaches and how do you keep the bench engaged? I'd rather the coaches spend their time coaching the kids on the sidelines. Like I just said this this morning in my session is I want to buy you all uh, Cracker Barrel uh, rocking chairs. And you guys are sitting in your rocking chair the whole time because you don't need to be up. You yelling the joystick. moment, the joysticking, that, what t- that tells me as a coach is you have not prepared your team. For you sure. You have confidence in your yeah. team and you're trying to control a situation. Where you can really have an impact is you talk the game to the players on the bench. Maybe – the other coach is taking notes about what's going well and mm-hmm. why and how do we keep replicating this or making changes. What are our changes? So you have one person who's dialoguing with the players that are not in the game and talk about huge growth in coaching. Yeah. You know, or, hey, are asking the right questions. There's a difference between teaching and coaching. Teaching is when we're the experts, we have the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Coaching is where we ask more questions. And we want to see, is there an understanding and can they apply what I've taught them and that's actual coaching. It's listening more and being more patient and asking the questions and letting them give you the information. Yeah, the, the, what, the guide, guided exploration, guided yeah, exploration. What is right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so t- think of it. Teachers, yeah, there's a time when we should be the teachers. We do have some mm-hmm. of the knowledge. And yet in that moment, that's a very emotional time. Your best bet is to turn into coach mode in terms of asking questions, being inquisitory, making sure that the bench is having those conversations. All yeah. That kind of stuff. Then you'll really talk about building relationships, but then also keeping the team engaged. It's awesome. It's exhausting, actually, more for the coach to do that because you've got to be locked in in blue zone to engage in your players like that. But whatever's out on the field, like, you kind of just got to smile. You yeah. can do everything right as a coach in a week, and they're hot messes. They're kids Absolutely. and they're kids. Yeah. Let them go. Yeah. And all a game really should be is a check. Mm-hmm. Are we developing? Are we teaching during the week? And are we able to apply it under pressure in a game? Yeah. And that is your checkpoint to say, do we need to change some things in practice? How do we need to work this a little differently? Like, that's it. But we put, again, so much expectations on a game. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. And and, and, and and we are in such a winning culture. And, and, and um, so what is it like with the, with the bench players is is – you know, because nothing's worse than like, you know, hey, Susie, you know, going going for, for Jen, where's where she playing? Oh, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you think like, you know, because you see a lot of coaches like, I'm, I'm going to put my chair over here. Yep. But it's almost like the coach should just sit on the bench with the players. Yes. And you're just sitting there just talking about the game. Yes. Like, hey, what could, what could, a, what could Tiffany have done different there? Yes. And, and yeah. Or what did she do well? And how could you do that? Because the other thing is like our players need to stay in their lanes. Like, you're going to have a bunch of gift sets. I might have a bunch of gift sets. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to try to be you. And right. I don't want you to be me. So in that position, based on what, you know, I just did, what could you do that's still in your gift set, right? Because I think with all the social comparison going out, yeah. then it sounds like, well, coach wants me to be like Tiff. 
Right. Well, you're not built like Tiff. Yeah. You're not as fast as Tiff. Yeah. Well, you're going to definitely be faster than <laughs> um, You know, and or maybe I was really good in the air, and that's not going to be yeah. your strength. So you're like, what did Tiff do? She won the ball in the air. Well, you're probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By five foot one, you're probably not going to Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's also saying based on what's going on in yeah. the position, what did Tiff do well? How would you, what could you do in that spot? Yeah. In your lane, in your Tiff sets. Um, and I think that's something we can really help the players on the bench too, is like, Hey, first knowing what are your three to four things you're really good at? Correct. What you're really good at at 10 is yeah. typically what you're always going to be really good at. Right. That doesn't mean we don't work and, and narrow the gap between our limitations. But really, if I say, I just need you to go out there and do the three to four things you're already great at, mm-hmm. focus on those three to four things and have them say what those are to you. Because if they say it out loud, they believe it. If we tell them, they don't honestly believe. When we yeah. say it, they've got to say it and identify those skills. Um, and you'll see them light up because who doesn't want to go do something they're already good at? Exactly. Yeah. And so that's stuff you can do. So before a player goes in, okay, what are, what are the three to four things that you're good at? How are you going to go out there and do those things? Then you'll kill it. Oh, I love it. And, and is there any value in, of having – so you're in a game and you go, okay, say, hey, because – Halfway during the season, you, you kind of get yourself in a routine. Like, I know that I'm going to go in, you know, uh, as, as, a, as a forward. I, that's how I typically play. And so is, is there value of saying, hey, you know, you know you're, where you're going to go. Um, you know, take some quick notes or whatever it is. I, I want you to you know. You guys, we're all going to talk at halftime. Um, is there value in that? I'm saying I, I want to not say a report, but, hey, take some notes or, you know, halftime you're, we're going to talk. I mean, it, it kind of assigning them to something to do. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. I've done that before where they're either, uh, you know, watching one player. Maybe they're doing how many touches, how many balls are they connecting Mm -hmm. kind of things. So you can do different ways where they have to really be locked in. You can have the bench right away have to identify what is the formation the other team. Yeah, yeah, I've done that one. Um, You know, there's all different ways to keep them engaged. But, yes, I'm a big, like, I want to see notebooks and pens on the bench uh, and not phones like oh yeah, yeah when you write things down it stores it to long-term memory Agreed. 55 times more. really yeah. 55 times when you write it down because they're texting they're so good at being like kind of green zone and they can just be like robots and type whatever but they're not storing it they're not thinking about it there's no meaning when you write it takes effort yeah because because i could I, I could i could text and still look at you yeah. but there's not a chance i wonder if i i, I couldn't i couldn't write something without Yes. Yeah, that's a 55%. Wow. And so when I was a college professor, I never let my students type in my classroom, and they hated it at the second. And then afterwards, when they're studying for a test, they're like, "Uh, we want to thank you because we were way ahead of the game in terms of studying. Like, I actually could recall information you did in the classroom, where in the classes they were able to type, they didn't remember anything. Because, you know, the way I I do, I remember going back when I was cramming, I would write stuff down. And probably at the time, I said, but it it makes makes perfect sense 55 percent more yeah and so how do i know like again we have this perception that they should be rowdy and whatever on the sidelines i'd rather look over how do i know energy energy can be lots of different ways Mm -hmm. them taking notes and being really locked in and yes cheering if there was something really good talk about looking at my bench and i'm seeing everyone like really locked in and paying attention to the game and yes definitely giving great feedback if we do something well and getting excited that's energy yeah that's and that's where everyone's connected I, I heard a coach say because we we're talking about the the you know up a goal down a goal and, and I'm curious and and it, it really struck a chord with me because the last you know you're down a goal in the last ten minutes is crazy stressful mm-hmm. and everyone's panicking and everyone's doing this and he said he goes if you talk about it in training 
here's what we do. There's like key moments, but if we're up a goal at halftime, here's what's going to happen for the next 20. Here's what's going to happen the, the, the last 20. And if we're down a goal, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we play. And so then when when you're down a goal with, with 20, so you have, he, he's, he has a 20, 10, and five minute plan. Mm-hmm. So we know, hey, guys, we're down a goal, 20 minutes left. Okay. We've already discussed what's it going to look like. Yep. We're down a goal. Yep. We're going to press a little more. Now, the last five minutes, we're down a goal. Now, can, now we go up and over yep. or we're up a goal. And I did that and it changed. Like how they play because it was no more chaotic yes. and it made like it, it, you know, it's always like, you, you know, you're talking to people. It's like 20 years. Like, Man, it's just like that hit. I'm like, where, where was that 10 years ago for me? But I think I don't know what you feel about that. That well, was that's my big thing is why I love going to practices and I get paid money to come in and watch practices and help coaches. My thing is we have so to now go. you give me anxiety. Yeah. If you come watch me, I, you know, it's got to be perfect. But so, <laughs> no, 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 I want it to be a hot mess. Yeah. I don't want a perfect practice, but I want to see psychological, physiological experiences and environments created by you as a coach that's going to mimic more what they're going to feel and see and think in a game. So my love is how do you do, we don't reinvent the wheel, but how do you change one of their senses or their thoughts, what they feel, what they see, that's going to replicate more of that pressure. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great example. So how many teams are slow starting teams? I mean, most of them, I feel. You know why? Because what do we do in practice? What's the first thing we do when we come out of warm up? Uh, probably kick a ball around and, and coaches setting stuff up and setting it's really stuff slow. up or, and then we go to technical. Yeah. 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 So slow. I always say right out of warm up, every single practice, you do something competitive. There's a winner, there's a loser. There's something on the line, so to speak. It can be one-on-one battles. It can be small sided. It could be a puzzle. I don't care, but they know that when they come out of warm ups, one, they take warm ups. The mentality is the right way yeah. to warm ups and bam, it could be three to five minutes compete. And then you can go right back into what you wanted to do as a coach. But you want a slow, fast-starting team, then you better be practicing fast-starting team. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So is, is, do you think – so you talk, you mentioned the game warm-up. And I've gone back and forth, and I, I obviously don't have the right answer, but it's – I've tried to have a very loose warm-up. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, let's just, you know, la, la, la. And then I've also tried, hey, look, we need to focus on this warm-up. Is there a right or wrong way, or is it team-based, like, to, to limit the anxiety? Yeah, it's team-based. Like, we want them in blue zone. And a lot of times their bodies are moving, but their minds aren't mm-hmm. in the blue zone. It's why we can get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom and go right back to sleep. Because our body's moving, but we don't have to think about going to the bathroom. Yeah. Right? This has got to be that. Brain's got to be activated. So whether there's different kinds of challenges or communication or something like that, we've got to make sure when they're in warm-up that they're not just moving their bodies, that they're also warming up their brains. And how they do that, that's where you've got to talk to your team. And I always say to the team, you may want to do this, but that's not what you need to do to get in blue zone. So you may want to have a dance party for yeah. 25 minutes. And maybe for that team, it does get them in their blue zone. But I need to know, like, and then that's why sometimes you got to allow for the individuality. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a time where some players need to do X to yeah. get in their blue and some need now. There has to be a point where we all come together. It's a team sport that right. we all need to come together. But I'm almost like the first half of warm-up is when you, when you trust your team to know they've got to be aware what puts me in a state that's going to allow me to be present in blue zone. Yeah. And then you can shift into a team blue zone kind of warm up. Um, depending on the age, you've got to help them get there. They're right. just going to know. Right. So we don't just go rogue and we're going to have Susie <laughs> and Johnny picking flowers over here. Someone else is going to be petting a dog. Someone else is talking to their parents. Someone yeah. else is like taking 3,000 shots before the game. It, so. it, that, that, that's my, like, like my my seven-year-old played baseball. That's exactly what it was like. It's yeah. so boring. So, yeah, there's space. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it, what a great skill. And it's also applying it to other places. Hey, guys, this is going to help you when you're studying. This is yeah. going to help you later in 
like when you're going on a job interview. Like I always try to connect the dots where this skill isn't just for soccer. Yeah. It's for all these different aspects or they might be really good in other aspects of their life with this. And it's helping them go, if you could do it here, yeah. let's transfer that skill. How can we transfer what you already have right. into soccer? Right. And, and I think there's, I mean, I think it's why that, you know, athletes are more hireable. I, I think that because they go through, there's a lot of things they go through. Um, and now you're throwing in the anxiety component. Um, you know, if you, if you can deal with all that anxiety, life becomes much easier, I think, you know, in, in doing that. And, um, wow. Cause I, I could say here for hours, this is, this is, this is incredibly fascinating. So what is it that, um, obviously I know you're not here just to pump yourself up, but the X, X factor performance consulting, you work with coaches, clubs, colleges, parents, parents. all across the country. I created a, an online platform actually over COVID. I wish I had done it a long time before where yeah. it's five topics. It's everything I would want an athlete, at least language wise, understanding wise, yeah. to know. And then there's a parent and coach series as well with an interactive workbook. And what's been awesome about that is they watch that before they have a virtual session with me or a live session with me. And it's been amazing for both the men, women, girls, and boys, because they already have the language. They've already done these cool kind of mm -hmm. exercises and they can talk the talk and they can deep dive into asking questions. And the parents are great because I want them to watch the athletes' videos. Yeah. And then they have a supplemental video that's like, all right, mom and dad, I'm not letting you screw this up. So let yeah. me translate this for you. So you don't translate what you just watched on yeah. your own. Um, it's really allowed like communication between athletes. Like, hey, mom, you created a red zone for me today. Yeah. Like, I, I good, but you created a red zone for me today. And the mom knows, okay. And they, they it's really opened the door for more conversation with the athlete and the and the um, parents and the coaches. Yeah. And it really helps the coaches because now the parents are like, oh, I know why coach is doing that, or I know why they made that decision because that's here's the theory behind it. This is yeah. the science behind it. So it's been really cool. That's something I've I've done, and um, I love the youth sports because if we can teach the skills early, then they don't have all the bad habits. Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you you can always see these kids and. You just know, like, okay, we're gonna have to build this kid back up. Yeah. Like, she's been, yeah, I could the female eyes on that, yeah. but they've been mentally torn down. You yeah. see their anxiety, yeah. and um, so where do they find you? Um, how do they get in, like, to, to get in touch with what you do? And yeah, just xfactorperformance.com. Xfactor Performance, okay, is my uh website, all the information is on there, my contact information, and people can email or reach out. Man, this has been so incredibly cool. Uh, I, I, you may have, I, I, maybe I won't tell her, but you, this is, may take over Jen Klein's, uh, but oh, this, <laughs> no, this is, I mean, this is so fascinating. And I think it's something so, so important. I think you are seeing more and more, um, of that. And, um, I will, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one quick funny story. Cause my, 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 my wife has always well, your been a poor wife. I know, I know, I know. I don't think she's listening yet, but, yeah. uh, no, but, and she knows this and she's always been that, you know, cheer and kind of anxiety and been one of the parents, you know, kicking Harris. I'm like, what do you want him to kick it to? Yeah. Go, let's just sit and we cheer. And, and I put out a podcast inside the mind of our little guys yeah. and I send it out to our, to the team parents. Of course now they don't, they always look at me like, is it okay to cheer? I'm like, yeah, I just don't give direction, <laughs> yes. you know? And, but anyway, so she would always be loud and Harrison unprompted told her when she got in the van afterwards, like mom, I just want you to cheer. You don't have to tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm sitting up front. Like, I'm just like, she was so mad, but, but it made sense, you know, that, 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 that happened. I just want you to cheer. Mm -hmm. and, but that changed it because he said it and it was great. And so, but that, that's a tough thing. I mean, he's kind of a punk kid, so he's my son. I so yeah, I love that he said it, but is uh, from the mouth of babes. I know. I, I was so happy that I was so happy. What's up guys? So I was so happy. So 
Um, well, we'll play some music out. I, I so much appreciate it. Um, I think this is fascinating. Um, I could talk to you for hours and hours. I need to get you with, with parent education and um, steal more of your time. And, and I know your time is very valuable, but um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. So Thank you for everything you do, Josh. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you joining. And are you presenting tomorrow? Are you done? I am done. Done? I'm, I'm chilling. Just going to relax? And I can uh, confirm that it is frigid oh. outside. Now, where are you from? I'm from, uh, well, I'm originally from Connecticut. Okay. And I live in Columbus, Ohio now. Okay. But going down to Florida for the month of February, I work nice. with UF, Embry-Riddle, Auburn Gymnastics is over there. So I just go down. My parents are there, uh, leave my dog, do my little thing, and I'll spend the month in sunny Florida. Uh, it's awful. I'm from St. Louis, yeah. and I, I just I don't like it, but it, it is what it is. Yeah. So, All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to grab some lunch. Enjoy the rest right. of your night. I hope you get to relax a little bit. Thank right, you. Thank you. <laughs> 